weird. And I want that strangeness and that willingness to leap into it and have Superboy Prime punch reality and have these nonsensical wildness that exists and then lean into it. I don't want to feel realism because that's the thing with DC is that DC is about what, what people want to be. Marvel is about what people can be. And I'm tired of them rooting DC that is in fair. realism. Because well, I don't want it to be real. I want it to be this godlike, exciting, these people saving the world, caring about humanity. I don't care about their plight. If Superman cries one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Unless I did something. I disagree. <laughs> Everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and Stanley's Pizza Place. My name is Caleb. I am your moderator for this episode and most episodes, I guess. All uh, and episodes. <laughs> we refuse. With politely. me today are my fabulous co-hosts. First off, the wonderful, talented, hilarious, and full of DC knowledge, Mia Fully Perrin. Yay! It only took me one episode to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Um, and five years of friendship, but that's fine. <laughs> okay, so to be fair, what's stuck in my head is that you've told me in the past it's pronounced, like, really, it's pronounced with the French, like, but This is accurate and true. Okay. That is how I should pronounce it, but it got anglicized when we To came. parent. Yep. And then my other, our other co-host, uh, the incomparable and house is filled with Marvel knowledge and encyclopedia. And I think his mic may have shut off right now. Is Mr. Jake Cody? Did it? No, it didn't. Yay! It didn't. <laughs> you were just <laughs> quiet. I saw you laughing, but you didn't. Well, I was keeping my laughs quiet so I didn't interrupt your the first thing. So, you know, hi my, everyone, Jake, and here I am to help things out and talk about cool, fun stuff. Yeah. Hey, Caleb didn't fire us after the first episode. We must have done something right. We must oh. have done something. You know, Caleb. I know that you have like a lot of MCU friends. So in the immortal words of Scott Lang, thanks for thanking of me <laughs> to host this podcast with you. You two are my encyclopedias of knowledge. I think we'll discover as these episodes go on that this will literally just be you two educating me on the history of comic books. But I never wanted anything more. Oh, Thanks. Does anyone want me to explain the joke again about the title real yes. quickly? Oh, God. Absolutely. See, so, Every episode. <laughs> so you see, it's because it's an outdated TV reference because there was an old show that I don't think many people watch. But then Stanley's Pizza Place is the pizza parlor in The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. And so it's like a nice little MCU uh, wink and a nod. It's a double MCU wink and a nod because do you remember who starred in that in that old TV show? No, honestly, I can't tell you who did. <laughs> One Ryan Reynolds. Oh my Ooh. god! Who is dead? Who is now obviously going to be the? Uh, I thought um, you just said he was dead, and I was like, today? What happened? Bad I like news. that we jump right to Deadpool two, and we just forget about the Green Lantern era entirely. Oh yes, he actually he live streamed it. Like he tweeted while he watched it again, and at I think the he end was, he was like, not yeah. as bad as he remembers it. 
I think he was drinking his, his gin that he makes, his aviator gin, too. So I think it was mostly a gin product placement, which is fine. <laughs> yes. Okay, so he makes, like, a legit gin. Because when that sentence started, I was thinking, like, bathtub gin. And then I was like, well, <laughs> That. It could be both. I don't know. I'm not, I'm <laughs> like, I know we're trying not to go outside because of COVID, but is, like, you like, can buy some alcohol. That's how the rest of us got through this. The rich people have their own ways of doing things, you know? They, if they want to make bathtub gin, it's probably it's amazing. Except, this is gin that he bathes in, I think. It's like... Oh. <laughs> the, juni the juniper berries are good for his skin. I've heard this. Mm. I've heard this. I've seen this. It's a bath of gin. All right. I'm, I'm moderating this episode, and I'm already letting you guys get off topic. But yeah, we, we got are... on bathing in gin, Caleb. <laughs> you, this is what you've done. <laughs> Two guys, a girl, and Stanley's Pizza Place full of bathtub gin. So what are we talking about today? It is indeed episode two of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Woo! Uh, and so first thing we got to do is we got to recap. And so this week, Mia, I'd like you to recap this past week's episode without spoiling uh, anything. I'm, I will recap it and I will spoil all the things. No, <laughs> if you spoil it, you get muted. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you have to do okay. it. I don't know if I can recap it properly this week. The premise of this episode is Sam and Bucky get together. They attempt to figure out who the bad guys are and what's going on. There's some uncomfortable moments with John Walker as the new Captain America and his sidekick Battlestar. Galactica, not Galactica, just Battlestar. Both. <laughs> we learn a little bit more about who the Flag Smashers are. And there's an ominous Flag phone call special. at the end of the episode. Mm. Who, who's calling who? And then we leave to Sam and Bucky uh, going to find Zemo. So, normally what we do in the one episode we've had is uh, after recap, we review. Um, we're going to dive into everything, uh, but I have a special treat for you guys. Um, in, instead of like is trying it to just... cake or pie? It, it's pie. Be cake. Oh. I wanted cake. <laughs> it is. Those at home won't get to see it, but uh, you two will. I have created, uh, on theme with the name of our podcast, Stanley's Pizza Pie of Topics. Oh my, oh my god, gosh. it's a spinning wheel. It's, it's a isn't... spinning wheel like a game show with the colors of the Italian flag. Um, now, quick question. There is one piece of the pie that is just a piece of pizza. If we get that one, do we win free pizza for me and myself? Caleb, buy this pizza. Um, okay, so basically to describe for our adoring fans, it's it's a game show type wheel with topics that I think Caleb would like us to discuss to make our segues a little better. We're just going to spin the wheel and then we'll pick what we're talking about. It's very exciting. There we go. It's really not, not bad. I'm impressed. So I have typed up a number of different topics, <laughs> including uh, one pizza slice. Pizza slice is the random. You get to choose what you want to talk about. Oh. Do you also buy us pizza? Yes. And when... Hey! <laughs> Caleb, I'll take Potent Potables for 500 It's not Jeopardy! <laughs> what is Potent Potables for 500 Alex? Oh. So, I'm going to spin the wheel, and that's what we're going to talk about. We have, uh, we'll say, like, 10 minutes to talk about a topic, or if we run out of stuff. 10. But this is how we'll go. We probably won't get through every topic. But here we go, uh, number one. It could be anything. What's going to happen? Today we're talking about, first up, the truck fight. Truck <laughs> fight. <laughs> Everybody always wants, we have a, it, I just want everyone to know that it says we have a winner and there's fake like <laughs> confetti going off on the screen saying we have a winner, truck fight. And the winner is truck fight. I'm gonna remove that from hey. the list. 
listen, I loved me a truck fight. You can ask anybody mm-hmm. and they'll say Jake loves himself a truck fight. That's one thing you got to know. And this truck fight was no different. <laughs> to give you some highlights and what I thought of it, um, obviously it wasn't as big a set piece as the first fight in the on the airplanes, because I think that was on purpose. The first one was to give us a bang, to get everyone into it, being like, wow, the action's crazy. This one was a bit shorter, a bit smaller, but still pretty rad. I like that the heroes got beat up. That's why Indiana Jones has always been my favorite hero, because he gets the shit kicked out of him all the time. And it just makes it feel more real and more human and more excited. This episode sort of played with my mind a little bit, because at first when... We sort of met John in the locker room. I was like, oh, he's just doing his best. And then when he came, when he swung in in the outfit with him and Battlestar together, I was like, oh, I was like, this, yeah. I got excited. There's like kicking out of an airplane. He was throwing the shield. I was like, maybe I save The shield save for Hoskins was great because he like throws it and then like Hoskins lands on it and it's perfect. But then I had this moment where I was like, hey, man you don't have any superpowers right and that shield was really like you're saving grace and now it's gone and you're a human and those are like four <laughs> super soldiers well and then he immediately friend. gets kicked into a car yes. <laughs> like, you shouldn't Shocker. have done that you Bro. should not have given up your shield <laughs> he did also have a gun which i he thought did. was like a jarring mm. moment to see Captain America shoot someone with a pistol, but it's sort of akin to when Bucky became Cap in the comics because Bucky carried a pistol as well. Um, also, uh, Steve shot War. plenty of people. After seeing like, you know, the shield for so long to see him also a pistol pop out, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh. It's uh, a very telling thing that Steve's weapon of choice is a defensive weapon. Oh yeah, it's always the like he's not there with the gun like Winter Soldier. He is there with the defensive shield because he is a protector. Yes, yes, I agree. It's very jarring to look and be like, why is Cap like wielding a weapon? Does he have a license for that? Is it registered? Does he (laughs) he follow the rules? I want to back up. He's a rule follower. A little bit at the beginning of the fight. I think one of the things I enjoyed, and it's just a tiny thing when Bucky and Falcon start chasing the trucks and Bucky just books it past the first truck. He's just like, oh, dude, super soldier. My favorite part in the beginning of the fight was when Bucky jumps into the truck and we assume there's a hostage based on the intel from Redfin. And this girl is there and he's like, oh, let me underestimate you, girl. Do you need me and my big, strong man arms to save you? And then she punches him in the because she is not a hostage she is a guard and she is a super soldier aaron kelly man rules uh mm-hmm. i think that the movie solo was underappreciated and hashtag justice for solo i still want a sequel <laughs> to it but aaron kelly man is infant's nest and it was great and i'm so happy that disney brought her back for this series as what seems to be probably the leader of the flag smashers and that was such a good moment the smile mm-hmm. that she gave us before she absolutely crushes was so good and and a great like setup for that moment we Uh, also learn in the truck scene that these people are very probably super soldiers also the death of the death of red wing as well just so red wing r.i.p he'll be i always wanted to do that yeah it was that was a great moment uh, also we uh, just real quick to talk about like before when they jumped out of the plane and bucky tries to do the uh, captain america leap out of the plane without a, <laughs> without a pack and he screams the whole way down. i uh, love well, every good. moment of that plane ride because <laughs> it is so reminiscent of cap and stark when thor lands on the plane in avengers yeah, yeah. So we have oh, this yeah. right where we have bucky and sam and they're on their way to the fight and 
Bucky is pushing Sam to say like, what's the plan? What's the plan? And he's like, I don't have one. He's like, Steve always had a plan and he's mad. And then Sam jumps out of the plane with his flying machine body. And- he's, well, he does say he has a plan. He just doesn't tell him the plan. Mm. And then, <laughs> but it was very reminiscent of when we go to that same scene with Steve and Tony Yep. and Thor lands on the roof and he's like, Tony, Tony, what's the plan of attack? And he's like, I have one plan attack. And then he jumps out with his flying machine body. And then we leave the two super soldiers behind to just free jump out of a plane. Yeah, so it was very like full circle there to yeah. Bucky playing the role of Steve, which yeah. I like. Another great moment was when he was stealthing in and he's like, oh, I'll spend a little time in Wakanda. You're all stealthy. You're the White Panther. And he goes, oh, White Wolf, actually. And Sam's, huh? Like, was just, was so good. I hope that sort of the White Wolf mantle is what he takes over. So he's no longer called Winter Soldier eventually, too. I hope that's sort of his moniker that he takes on. Yeah. Leave that to leave that life behind. I also enjoy Sam just sneaking up on him somehow. He's, so <laughs> he's a super soldier, but Sam's just like, hey, what's up? I think it's weird that in that scene, like, once they get on the ground how Bucky's all like, we need a plan, we need a plan. And then they get to the ground and the Bucky's like, I'm just going to go punch people. And Sam's like, no, we need to like, you know, assess the, the situation and, and do some recon and make decisions. And he's like, yeah, but I could punch these guys. And it's like, you just five minutes ago were saying you needed a plan. It's in a moment. <laughs> it, it was inconsistent. I'm going to call out the poor writing Fair. when it happens. And that was Fair. a moment. On the truck, we get a little throwback as well to Winter Soldier when Bucky catches the shield again. Yep. It's his and favorite thing to do, I gr- guess. Begrudgingly handing it back to John Walker, yeah. which was a very good face. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a little bit to, he also catches the shield right before he goes out the train in First Avenger too. Mm-hmm. It's the first yep. time we see Bucky hold the shield or like carry the shield. Hey, fun fact, friends. First Avenger, Bucky, train ride, falls out of the train. Right. I, until like very recently, I just assumed somehow Bucky survived that fall because there's some fluffy, he's a human at this point. Like there's no reason he should have survived that. Yeah. It was very much like Oliver Queen getting thrown off the cliff. And anyways, I was like, why, how, why did he survive this? And I like just realized when Steve goes to save Bucky, when the 107th is captured behind enemy lines and he has like the big hero moment where we actually like realize Captain America is Captain America. Bucky is like off in some side room, not in the cages yeah. with everybody else being experimented on. And I always noticed that. I was like, huh, I wonder what's happening with Bucky. This is probably some like lead into the stuff, but I didn't realize he's probably already enhanced at that's least to got, some yeah. degree. Yeah. And that's how he survived the fall. And that's I never exactly really caught on to that. I just assumed that like all the actual enhancements were happening later. And obviously he hasn't been fully super soldierized, but he's clearly already enhanced when he's saved. Yeah, it said that Arnim Zola was experimenting to try to make their own super soldier out of Bucky's mm-hmm. dad. And that's why he was able to survive in the ice and the water that he fell into. And not the fluffy, fluffy snow. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it could be part of that too. That's what saved the fall aspect of it. So you're not wrong. I just, we're all Mainers. I should know better than that. I would never like jump off even my back deck into the fluffy, fluffy snow. It doesn't help you. <laughs> so... Time for another spin of the wheel. <laughs> spin that wheel. <laughs> there it is. It needs a better, we need to think of a fun name for the wheel. Are you going to put music uh, when it's uh, spinning uh, right here? Oh pizza! 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 Oh my God. Every okay, pizza. pizza. First it's... episode. We use it. <laughs> 
Okay. This is the random topic. So did anyone bring anything that specific they want to talk about that's not on the wheel? Can I we don't talk- remember what's on the wheel. Can we pick that something that's still- on the wheel anyway? Can we can discuss Isaiah? Because yes. that was yeah. like the best part of the show. Okay. Oh, so Isaiah it is. Yes. So that's what I want. I want to use my random thing as the space to pull in Isaiah to it. Because mm-hmm. I want to make sure we discuss this. Because I think it's of supreme importance. Who is Isaiah? Isaiah Bradley is in the comics and now in the MCU is regarded as basically the the first African-American to become Captain America in the 50s. And he was sort of a secret to the world and because of who he was and the color of his skin, instead of being rewarded and lauded and and beloved by all, he was experimented on and thrown in jail. And it made such a powerful and potent look at the idea in the challenge of race that we are facing in the world currently and now getting it into a brilliant and smart way into the MCU and embracing uh, Stan Lee's vision of Marvel of that it should be what it is outside your window. And I love so much they are so artfully bringing this stuff into the show. Very Tuskegee experiment, throwing references there of experimenting on Black men without their consent. I think it's very interesting in the comics, he's actually known for a period as Black Captain America, which was also ties into that Black Falcon joke earlier, which was also his name because like literally Marvel was like, you know, we're just going to call all the Black characters Black this in their early days. And that's uncomfortable now and should have been uncomfortable then I don't know how yeah, yeah. I, I I love this whole dive into looking at race in America today and then even immediately after leaving Isaiah's apartment and we see how upset Sam is justifiably well, I think his, his first this. question was like you know there was a black super soldier and didn't tell anyone for what 50 years mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. yeah it's just horrifying and then and then he's getting upset and the police show up yeah. and we have this moment of like how are black men treated by the police in america exactly like we see it here here's a dangerous angry black man that we need to shut down that's on the wheel and literally he's standing next to a mass murderer but uh, he's shielded by his white uh, privilege one thing I want to I want to talk about Isaiah though is backing up. He says like he and Bucky had a fight in the Korean War like 50 years prior or something. He took half of Bucky's arm which sort of throwback to last week's episode, Mia, you were talking about how Black Widow was only scared of like two things and one of them was the Winter Soldier. And here's mm-hmm. our first glimpse into somebody who was able to take down the Winter Soldier, maybe the only person that was able to win. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's yeah, also it's so interesting good. because we start talking about like how many super soldiers are there? Because up until this point with us meeting Isaiah, well, first of all, the first one is obviously Schmidt becoming Red Skull is mm-hmm. the first application of the super soldier serum. Erskine turning Steve into Captain America America, Erskine gets shot and we assume that the super soldier serum is lost with him forever and so they take Steve's blood and we know from Agent Carter that like the U.S. government had like 10 or so vials of his blood and Stark <laughs> had canon. one and she's very <laughs> I don't care it's in and in my heart we know that the U.S. government had some like we don't know what happened but now here we can see that they had to have derived some workable super soldier serum because they made Isaiah and then we know that the Hydra folks figured it out because they made the winter soldiers now Bucky's the only surviving one but he was not the only winter soldier and now we've got 
the flag smashers where did they assuming it's the same formula where did they get it here's a little little comic book thing for you first of all just to make sure that people know if you want to read about isaiah's story in the comics it's in a book called truth red white and black and that's written by robert morales who wrote it with kyle baker uh drawing it very good check it out but so they mentioned someone in this series called the power broker who is a villain in the Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's interesting for many reasons, one of which he has a weird connection to professional wrestling, which I personally enjoy, <laughs> but that's not important here at the moment. What's important is that he is the person who augmented the super strength for US agent John Walker and Battlestar. So it's interesting to think that this person, whoever the power broker is, I'm guessing is going to be the one who is sort of creating these super soldiers, because mm-hmm. that would be a nice sort of nod and tie to the comics. How that all relates to what the government was doing with Isaiah, there's this obviously this huge break in the middle of like, where is that come from? And what did the experiments that happened to Isaiah after the war, what like what happened with that? What did they do or try to get from him at that sense? Giving us that one little like taste of that scene, even though it was short, but it was so powerful. And I'm pretty sure that guy, he's been in a couple of things, but I think he was the voice of Martian Manhunter in the Justice League cartoon, I think. <gasps> I, could be, I could be wrong on that and I That's, should look it up. But regardless, just that one bit of that one quick scene is so much. And also I think it helps Sam realize that maybe he really could have taken the mantle because there mm-hmm. was someone before him. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's why he was so hurt was because he, was I right? Was it Martian You were Man? right, yep, Carl yeah! Lumbly. Cool. Um, John Johns. I really love that it gives Sam this moment of pause to be like, obviously he's hurt for so many reasons, but also to know that there was someone out there doing it before him, I think maybe helps him accept that in part of him could have accepted this, the weight that he's being, that he's been asked to take on by Steve. It'll be interesting too, knowing that it's possibly super soldier serum that's making these super soldiers. And who knows if it's Erskine's formula, but we know that when he described it to Cap, the reason he wanted to give it to puny Steve was that he said it enhances what's already inside you. Good becomes great, bad becomes evil or worse, or I don't remember the exact quote there, but yeah. And it makes you wonder what were these flag smasher folks before they got super soldiered? And what are they now like hyper passionate about? Because basically the super soldier serum sounds like the creator of heroes and villains. It doesn't make any mediocre anything. Right. You're you're an extreme here. You're going to be one or the other. And What's interesting is they, they talk a lot about what the Flag Smashers are trying to do. Obviously, like they care more about the world before the blip and everything, right? But what I really love is that they're painting them in a way that's not super evil. Like they're just trying to help people who aren't getting help in a way because all this help is being given to the people who came back and they're saying people have been forgotten behind. So they're very humanizing these people as ways they're just yeah. trying help and it's it's really very brilliant i think with isaiah though uh we also kind of get a glimpse maybe at i believe it's his grandson eli bradley who is also uh, yeah the patriot or just patriot which falls into place and adding another cast to our young avengers lineup as they're coming up so now we have stature and cassie lang we have Billy becoming Wiccan from WandaVision. Kate Bishop, as we know, is going to be in Hawkeye. We have Miss America coming in Doctor Strange, which we know for sure, which she was a later addition, but is probably my favorite Young Avengers run by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. And then maybe at the end of Loki, we get Kid Loki. Who's to say? And we have our nice, ourselves our nice lineup of those Young Avengers. Does Miss Marvel ever become a Young Avenger? Uh, no, she becomes a champion. Okay. Which is uh, Miles, Nova, and Ms. Marvel sort of head up the champions for a while. We have a bunch of friends join that. My husband has the coolest comic box that has the champions on it. It's fantastic. Your husband has fantastic taste. Oh, he does. (laughs) 
He does. Those are really good comics. I really Champions mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones coming out right now. Well, Nova's fascinating and it's his favorite. Nova's well, your husband. He has favorite? lots of favorites, but like are, he freaking loves Nova. Are you kidding? Nova's like my favorite and no one else loves Nova ever since. No, Francis, my husband Francis loves Nova. Obsessed. Obsessed. Tell Francis you, I love him and I'm not afraid to say it. You can be best friends. I'll one let you One of these days we'll get we'll get Francis on here. Guest star. Guest star. I do want I do want to bring people in. It will just be longer episodes. Please, everybody out there listening, if you want to read comic books, read the book Annihilation by Marvel. It came out at the same time this original Civil War comic did, and no one read it because everyone was too high on Civil War, which I get because Civil War is amazing. But people slept on Annihilation. It's one of the best comic books, and it's what showed me that there's more to comic books than just like this popular superheroes, that you should really enjoy some of the weirder, stranger things out there. So read Annihilation. I will sell Marvel comics all day, baby. Time for another spin the pizza pie of topics. Because we're Stanley's Pizza Pie Shop. Here we go. It's We're workshopping the name still. And around and around it goes. Where it stops, we'll never know. Ah! Isaiah, let's talk about Isaiah. I, no, no, we did Isaiah. Respin. Here we go. See, See what I, you guys can't hear because it's only on my headphones is there's this like polka music that goes with every spin. There's fantastic. I love that. We did a rest scene too. The arrest rest scene. scene. There we go. It we leave this perfect transition. Isaiah into the arrest scene. We so touched on it. The arrest scene, oh, uh, what I would consider the arrest scene is everything from Bucky getting arrested and to the, next the sort whole of chunk of that as well. Yeah, yeah. That whole that whole chunk right there. I'm I'm just gonna hop on that. I think Mia, you you talked a little bit about it. I mean, they're right in downtown Baltimore. There's even like in that scene, there's a big sign in the back that says stop the violence and the cops show up right then and so we do get disney and marvel bringing in a lot of what is topical right now and in the real world you get some of those cringeworthy lines where they're like asking bucky an assassin if Sam is bothering him just because they're arguing in the street. The best parts about that scene, too, was them coming in so hostile to Sam. But when they actually arrest Bucky, they apologize to Bucky for arresting him. Oh, yes. About this. Yep. And Pat that his was, head. Yeah, I was literally just like, it was like, like I could feel like that change. It was just, oh. it was, it sent shivers like down the spine of being, because of how real it is. It's just, it's so palpably real and fur. And I just really appreciate Marvel fitting that in, in an organic and truthful way because I Mm. think it's important. It's also the second experience we have following Sam's experience as a Black man in America and a superhero, which as the audience following him, we see him go to the bank and ask for a loan. They're kind of treating him less than, and then they find out he's, oh, you're Falcon. And all of a sudden, you shouldn't have to be a superhero to be treated with dignity and respect. And then we we fast forward next episode, we see the police show up. Angry Black man in the street, we're just going to be aggressive with, with no real justification for it until we find out he's Falcon. And then the respect creeps in. Like you, it, it's it's really, oh, it's it's heartbreaking to watch. It's and important really, to watch. It's really just nice that they are embracing what Stan wanted Marvel to do and to be, and that is to reflect what's going on in the world. And that's why like X Men are so lauded is because they tackled a lot of big issues in those stories. I think a big reason as to why Sam is so scared to take the mantle is because he does he because of the race issue. And I think that that's they would be doing this show a disservice if they didn't tackle it head on. And it seems to me like they are doing that. And it's obviously there's yeah. always more they can do, but I love that we are getting that and they aren't afraid to do it. Well, I think that what we're seeing too is one of the things that makes Marvel great. And it is a differentiator between how Marvel and DC treat their heroes. Marvel heroes in general, they're relatable humans. You could see yourself getting stuck in this situation. You could see yourself being bit by a radioactive spider. You don't have to be an alien from Krypton or a multi-billionaire to be a hero in Marvel. Typically, you're either one of two, something happened, 
and you became a hero or you're a mutant which you have no control over. And it's fascinating. And and I think that's part of how Marvel got into the hearts of its readers is that it humanizes its characters in a way that it's impossible not to be captivated by. And watching Falcon, not just be Falcon, but be Sam and and watching his human experience is very interesting. It's the same with, with, with Bucky, you know, watching the human experience, watching him deal with grief and guilt. And it's incredible that they're able to do it in a way and still have us be in awe when they do those super heroic things mm-hmm. and keep us grounded with the fact that they're just people just like you and I. Really They're do. discussing two tough truths, mental health and race in this, and I'm thankful for it. And then what do they do after they get arrested? They bring them into a therapy session. With a some- couple's therapy Oh my session. God, so good. And That's part of the episode. Before we get into the therapy session, Mia, is you also get Captain John Walker come in and the therapist who is a former military. Mm-hmm. Once again, and I know, I think I'm noticing it because you mentioned it last week, everybody's just calling him Sam. Nobody Everyone. is even referencing a rank. And I think I've started to stew over it the past week, but I think it's because he's going to get that rank at the end of the series when he becomes Captain America. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's what they're kind of, they're making the delineation that he is Sam, 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 Sam until he actually gets to pick up the shield. And that's when he's going to be promoted. <laughs> I think something's going to happen to John Walker. <laughs> I think what? something I think something like bad is going to happen to that man. And it's going to force Sam to take the shield. This is just an early, an early prediction, if you will. Yeah. But I think he's going to get over his head and it's going to... I will say my favorite moment, and this is not to jump ahead of the therapy session because I do want to talk about it, but the moment when they walk out of the office and John plays the siren real loud and like laughs and gets their attention, it was just the most shithead move <laughs> in the world. And it was like this instant bit of character being like, ah, I still don't know about you. You got me a little bit in the beginning, but now there's this back and forth with him where I was like, oh, oh, I don't know. And then he wraps it with the whole like, stay the hell out of my way yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm like, who are you? Right? Like, these guys oh. have been doing this superhero thing for quite a while now. Like, I get that you were in the military and you have this history of service and, and they chose you for a reason. He did win but- some con- congressional medals oh. of honor. Stop acting like these guys don't have uh, the, mm, the sorry, I'm, I'm so like upset by it. I can't. Even, like, well, then let's back up a little bit and talk about the therapy scene, because I think that is one of the funniest scenes. And it's also one of the biggest emotional sucker punches in the episode. Yeah, Bucky lands a good one on that one for sure. It is just really wonderful because it's Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have so much chemistry, it oozes out of them. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it's upsetting because I want just a taste of it. I just want just a little sampling of that. It could have very easily been seen as like hacky writing, be them trying to be funny for the sake of being funny or anything like that. But because those two are so good together, it makes the scene sing. I could very much see that scene watching and being like eye rolly with it, being like, we get it, a couples therapy session. But, but like, it was genuinely funny and they genuinely care about each other. And those two- And have, hate each other mm-hmm. at the same yeah, time. The so dichotomy beautiful. of the hate and the love and the underlying drivers for each, it's great. They can't even do that stare into each other's eyes thing are you guys having a staring contest (laughs) everything is a competition between them it'll be interesting i hope in the future they have like a real therapy session i mean i don't need you to overtly (laughs) like tell me why they are the way they are but they definitely hated each other from the moment they've met each other 
Oh yeah. And I think there's some jealousy rooted in there. You know, Sam has always been such a good friend to Steve, but he's never going to be who Bucky was to Steve. And Bucky is wildly jealous of the time that Sam got to spend with Steve while he was being tortured and, and made to carry out horrific acts and something he'll probably never get over. And so there's just this whole dynamic that is so fascinating, but their chemistry just, like you said, it sings off the screen. Well, it's that last line that Bucky has where he's like, "If well, Sam, if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. And it's just this, like, we actually have a breakthrough. Bucky has a great breakthrough there. And it's the whole, that's the whole thing. Like, it's it's still I, comes down to what Steve thought. And- I rewatched that scene a couple of times because just, and, and maybe this is me getting into, like, acting technicals, but the way he delivers that line, he cracks just a little bit. And it's it goes from this like humor to this this serious, like kind of angry to getting to see a little bit of what's inside Bucky, getting to see like th- the true Buck. Every time I w- rewatched it, I was like, oh God, I feel for you, Bucky. Yeah, that scene is beautiful. The, the emotions in that scene, pairing it with being the most hilarious scene in the episode, but also the scene that rips your heart out a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's That's why we love the MCU. They pull stuff off like that. Man. Amen. All (laughs) right. Time to spin the wheel again. Polka music play. Activate. (gasps) It's the big three. So the big three is androids, aliens, and wizards. No. No. Sorry. Androids, aliens, and wizards. The only reason it's on here is because it comes up more than once. Battlestar mentions it when they're driving in the Jeep. Is the big three a thing? Do we think that's that's going to be a thing moving forward? I don't, because I was trying to think about it, and I was like, well, like, because there's more villains. Like, but then I was yeah. like, no, like, that, that kind of falls into a lot of, like, that knocks off at least the major ones, you know? Like, that checks the boxes. It's uh, like that game you play where any food is either a soup, a salad, or a sandwich. Yes, exactly. And then it, cereal not, is that not, soup? It's a soup. We all know cereal is a soup. It's That's what we're powder. doing with big three here. Right. But soup, I think salad, a bag sandwich. of a bowl of chips. That's salad. That's I think that's salad. what they're doing with the bad guys here. A bowl of chips is a salad for sure. But no, I think that's exactly <laughs> it because now we're going to start making excuses as to why they fit into the big three. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not a thing, guess what? It is now. This it is, is our lives now. and we're, we're just living in it now. I like nice. the semantics of wizard versus sorcerer being, are they wearing a hat? Yeah, well, it's the same thing with the bowl of chips. <laughs> kind of, it's made of a potato, which is like a vegetable that's making a salad. So you sort of have to fi- have these- a potato salad. It's a potato <laughs> salad. A bowl of chips is a potato salad. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I think I need to go sit down. I think I'm going to go into a I just thought of that. Free spin. In a way, we go. I feel like this is when I need to start thinking of fun things to say. I don't have any quips yet. Oh, and we lead right into Mr. Battlestar Galactica himself, Lamar Hoskins. I can't, I can't hear the word Battlestar and not say Galactica after it. It's just going to be how it is for the rest of this podcast. Uh, No, I respect that. I I was my immediate thought too. I think it was a brilliant move to have Captain America has to have a sidekick in this universe. And so it only makes sense to bring in Lamar and to have him be uh, Battlestar. It's, it's, it's a brilliant move. I loved the scene in the truck when they were all talking to each other. I think they stepped up and was great. It played really, really well. And I'm super excited. This, when he swung in and kicked him off the truck, I, re- <laughs> I literally was like, oh, this rules. Like, it was excellent. And I think he's a great actor. Being on the screen for what? Only a few minutes and me having totally bought into him. 
I think it's great. And he plays really well off of John Walker. So I'm pumped. I'm amped to have a new character that, and to make a name like Battlestar get over, I'm uh, super into anything like that regardless. <laughs> Does Battlestar ever get any superpowers or is he just become, he's, he's just super he, Everyone gets, gets superpowers. He gets augmented with super strength by the power broker uh, with US agent. So okay. a John Walker. So um, he does eventually, which leads me to believe that that could happen too, that they could get beefed up in this series as well. And I don't think that they're going to make him a villain. And John Walker never really ever becomes a villain. He sort of flirts with it, but he's more of like a-, a He's dick. more of a douchebag. Yeah, he's just a douche, a jerk. So um, I think that was, we'll see that. And I, I don't think they're going to make him necessarily a villain, but I'm thinking that maybe he, to try to get the, ahead of Sam and Bucky, that he might be willing to succumb to the super soldier serum or something like that. And maybe hijinks ensue there. But yep. uh, I'm curious to see what happens. I feel guilty saying this because it's not like the actor can help it. But the dude that plays John Walker has one of those like frown smiles. Like, you know, people that like they smile, but they're frowning really. Like if you look at the corners of their mouths and it's so perfect for John Walker to have like a stupid frown smile. Like you can't even smile without looking like a D-bag. It's amazing how much more punchable his face gets when he puts the helmet on. Yep. Without, he's, I mean, he's Kurt Russell's son. He's a pretty handsome dude. But as I soon- could only see Kurt Russell in that first scene where he's in the locker room because yeah. it's like a side profile. And I was like, that's a young Kurt Russell. But as soon Is as he, he handsome on- or does he have nice hair? Can it that be both? <laughs> Why no, not like shave his head. He's probably not that great. Oh my God, this is a man. I need to stop talking. <laughs> this is a human being. Whatever your actor is. He, what if he listens to our podcast and he hears this? Well, if he listens, you have lovely hair. <laughs> but without it, you're nothing. <laughs> well, you look stupid when you put the helmet on and it's reinforcing my theory. It like makes his head a, an orb and then just a giant grin. And that, yeah, I agree, Jake. A smile, frown, smile, grin. He's more grin than man. (laughs) Oh, I'm a bad human. One more spin, and then we're going to move on to, uh, what's that last section we do? You know. (laughs) Theories? Speculation? Speculation. It's your show. It's my show. It's your show. You don't know. Oh, yes. We what? John. We got John. We got John Walker. We got John Walker. We basically just did a full on. I think we couldn't, we couldn't have done this episode without talking about John Walker, honestly, because he's a big deal. We wouldn't have had Bucky and Sam get together without John being there to bring them together. So Mm -hmm. uh, he's the whole, he's the linchpin of the series. And boy, can he throw that shield though. Yeah, Yeah. he got good at that. It makes me question, like they said, they did a study at MIT of his body and he was like off the charts. Mm, That makes me a little curious if he's getting something on the side. I feel like he's not just a normal human, especially when he gets kicked into a car, rolls off of it, and is good to go. So he's an alien, a robot, or a a wizard is what you're saying? No, no, I'm saving it for speculation, but I definitely think that he's more than just an average human. After Captain America died in the comic books and Captain America 25 after Civil War, there's a great mini series called Fallen Sun. And it was about like each uh, a certain character dealing with the, the death of Captain America and how they sort of dealt with it themselves. There's an awesome issue because it's after Hawkeye got uh, destroyed by Scarlet Witch at the end of House of M, where he comes back. And it's the first time we've seen him in ages. 
and they try to give him the shield because they need a Captain America and Tony wants there to be a cap. And there's a great line where he's like, we've tried to have a bunch of different shield agents throw this thing and they've all broken their arm, showing that it's very difficult to operate Cap's shield. And of course, in the comic, Hawkeye does it like no problem because he's an awesome badass. But Hawkeye. I love Hawkeye. Uh, I like but- how in the comics, Falcon and Winter Soldier hate Hawkeye. And it's yeah. like a running gag that like yeah. they hate each other, but they hate Hawkeye more. So that's uh, okay. <laughs> Hawkeye is the punching bag of Marvel comic book universe. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, everybody. If you haven't, I'll let you borrow it personally. I'll find you and let you borrow it. Uh, one thing I noticed is as the episode goes on, you get at the beginning, probably the best version of John Walker. He's like trying to be the best and he's very humble about it. By the end of the episode, you get that menacing threat to Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I think they do a really good job of sort of showing, physicalizing it because his facial hair just keeps getting longer and longer as the episode goes on. It's like, just shave, John. Just, just please, you can shave. It's possible. You're better when you shave. The more hair, the the more attractive he is, as we've learned. So it's important to know. (laughs) It's true. I think, Jake, maybe you mentioned it earlier, but at his entrance in the beginning, too, the band is playing a sort of revamped big band version of the Star Spangled Man entrance music that Cap gets during the first Avenger. It's by Alan Menken, right? He wrote the original song. Speaking of music choices, the very end of the episode where we see Bucky and Sam go to Zemo and having the whole thing be underscored by Mozart's Lacrimosa. I'm going to have a music nerd moment here, friends, with music nerd. Which is one of the movements of Mozart's Requiem and was so very fitting in that moment. I love how Mozart creeps his way into cinematography in these fascinating ways. The tone, the dark tones of the lacrimosa under that scene, the ominous pieces of lacrimosa in that scene as we head towards Zemo are so fitting. I don't know if you guys know Mozart well, but at the beginning of X-Men 2, there's another movement from Mozart's Requiem called Dies Irae, mm-hmm. and it's what's playing when Nightcrawler breaks into the White House and he makes the, stabs the knife the in the desk. It says like, Mutant Power. yeah, that music behind it is also Mozart and it's one of the most beautiful in my opinion cinematic moments of comic book history and it's not even an MCU thing when you use Mozart right it's right and there's just two examples of using movements from the Requiem and having it be fracking amazing I don't know Uh, and I love anything about music but my only thing is a very the only well-known piece of Mozart trivia from the MCU is that when Tony comes back in the first Iron Man and Obadiah is playing Salieri who is Mozart's mm-hmm. rival competitor mm-hmm. the, the play the play Amadeus about that is about Salieri and Mozart so that's the only yeah. one I know which is fantastic and a beautiful way to do that nice little wink and nod if you know that as well but there I mean I feel like especially after WandaVision the folks who take care and thought towards the music oh. of you mm. spare notes so facts. good yeah so good so good go back and watch that opening scene from X-Men 2 now and like listen to the music in the background it's freaking amazing plus just watching nightcrawler kick ass is always something that i love to watch so can you imagine if nightcrawler came into the mcu yes yes i can and i want it so bad (laughs) i want it so bad mutants give us mutants i just want them just give me a mutant that right there is giant says x-men number one which is nightcrawler's first appearance along with colossus and storm you have to say what you're pointing at our listeners can't (laughs) see your room I'm pointing to a copy in the background of Giant Size X-Men number one. That's my uh, my holy grail, my pride and joy, my sweet baby. And I pointed to it and I did bad podcasting. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> so, and this is a good transition from John Walker is into it? speculation. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you meant my thing. And I'm like, not. it wasn't. It wasn't, but thank you for trying. <laughs> 
But on the topic of John Walker and moving forward, I mentioned earlier about physical attributes. Let's talk a little bit about speculation. What have we learned from this episode and what do you think does it mean for the rest of the series? I think probably the most important thing that I did, like besides like normal story beats that I try to follow and stuff, is Carly Morgenthau. She gets a text when she arrives to her spot saying, you took what's mine and I'm going to kill you or something like that. Yep. And we have no idea. Whatever they stole or whatever they took, I'm wondering if it's the super soldier serum and if that's mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. took and that's what the threat is. But that's like the biggest unsolved puzzle piece from this episode. I was like, whoa, what, what's happening there? So the villains have pissed off another villain somewhere or done something. Yes. So yes. there's like, which is very throwbacky to the Falcon Winter Soldier series from last year, where we've got two warring factions going against each other. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we're seeing that a little bit in the TV show with the Flag Snatchers and the Power Broker. And like also for speculation, who the frack was he on the phone with? Was it John Walker? because that's what I think. And mm-hmm. if so, then hmm, I'm scratching so, my non-existent beard. Spoilers if I turn out to be right, but what I that's feel like- I spoilers work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is in podcast world. It is. But no, I, I, think, I think you guys are both right. I think that's John Walker texting her. And I think it's, that's why he has slightly better physical capabilities is because he needs to get the serum repeatedly and they've stolen the serum because America or maybe a cell of Hydra, which has infiltrated the American government known as the global repatriation council <clears throat> is trying to claim it for themselves. And this, the flag smashers are actually kind of like the rebel group that have stolen it and are now, I mean, they're, they're saying is what one world, one people and captain America very definitively draws a border on countries. Does Zemo join the Flag Smashers or does he do his own thing? We know he gets out and we know he gets a proper Zemo mask. Like that's, we know that's going to happen. the helmet thing. And so like, my question is, does he, does he join the Flag Smashers? Cause that's sort of this, this Zemo in this world, I can see that fitting in with his MO. He's not, again, not necessarily a villain in the, in the practical sense. Like he wanted revenge for what happened to his family. So like, does he try to do good or does he become a straight up villain? I don't know, but I love that we're getting more Daniel Bruhl. So mm-hmm. I'm happy either way. I don't know which side he teams up with or if he starts his own thing and we're really just controlling how many evil warring factions. Or again. does he help Falcon and Winter Soldier and does this start what becomes the Thunderbolts? Oh, please give me some Thunderbolts. And does he that start getting some villains and making them a heroes? And does do we get our first look at what becomes the team of Thunderbolts of uh, and bring back some old villains and some new villains for this? Justin and Hammer. I would give anything for more Justin Hammer. I, love I don't him. care. If you, it's so good. He's so good. He's underappreciated. And he's the best part of Iron Man too. And we need more of him in everything. They did him a little dirty in Iron Man 2. I think he should have been a little more popular just in general. He should have been Iron Man, except um, like Tony Stark at his worst. So like in being excessive and that's what Justin Hammer in my mind should have been. Caleb, it's okay because he's popular in my heart. So I have, <laughs> enough, I have enough room in there for him and for as much as he needs. So That's just because okay. Sam Rockwell is amazing. So yes, that's exactly He's so him. good. He just disappears into every character he does and he, he did it with- Part of me wishes that they got Justin Hammer to be the Walton Goggins part in Ant-Man vs. Wasp just for a little bit more synergy just because he could have played that sort of weird oafish sort of tech guy for that as well. But also we got more Walton Goggins, which is also a win in my book anytime. So Also, Caleb, maybe part of our, our episode should be correction corner because (laughs) no last time during the episode I was listening back to it and we were talking about the passing of the mantle and I was like yeah this is the first example of passing the mantle except you know all of (laughs) Ant-Man and the Wasp 
I mean, I know that we didn't watch like Hank Pym be Ant-Man and we saw like Michelle Pfeiffer Wasp reel. There wasn't like a passing for Wasp because she just took it while she was gone. But I mean, it's a thing. And there was legit passing of the mantle between That's Hank fair. Pym and Scott. We, we made Correction mistakes. corner. I just but listened it, to it and I'm like, who is this blonde girl being stupid on this podcast? We're no. There's a lot of movie and TV to watch. We are going to forget things. <laughs> yes. No, I, I think you're still, you're still very much right about this phase four is going to be different. the mantle pass. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen in the net, just the next episode. And you've got one minute. Uh, Demo. Mia. Demo. <laughs> for one minute. Demo. Demo. Oh. I'm just going to say, oh, for a whole minute. I have breath support. It's like we scored a goal in, in uh, European soccer. Go ahead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Um, I think we're going to see the gents go meet Zemo. I think Zemo is going to play an assist. Um, I don't know if Zemo is going to take over like one of these actions in this episode. I think that's way in the future if that we get there. But I think this is going to be meeting Zemo and maybe Zemo getting out of prison. Jake? I think we're going to get some more information or at least teases on this power broker, if not actually an introduction. We're going to learn more about what the Flag Smash's real purpose is and if they are being manipulated. I think we might get a tease towards like that. I think someone might be using them for like saying it's for this purpose when it's not really. I think Sam and Bucky are gonna get their asses handed to them again. I think in this <laughs> next one, I think you're gonna see a really heroic moment from new Captain American Battlestar. It's gonna make them look really good to the, to the country at first. And then it's gonna like set them up to fall greater. Something's gonna happen there. So that's my, oh. my some of my thoughts that I had. And okay. of course, Zemo. Sons, give me Zemo for everyone. Zemo for you, Zemo, Zemo for me. <laughs> I, I agree with both of you. And I think what might help just because it, it sounds like, you know, they're trying to set up, like you just, just said, Jake, something that will make John Walker look really good, but will make Falcon and Winter Soldier look really bad is that they're going to go see Zemo. And because of them, he's going to escape. That's so good, Caleb. That's, that's really good. That's really good. So they're going to get implicated in the escape of Baron Zemo. And that's why they all have to team up. Yeah. Very good. Very good. 10 points to you, Caleb. <laughs> Thank you. I feel, I feel like we're getting to that like midpoint and it's got to be like the low point of the story. Yeah, because um, this is the halfway. We're about to be the halfway part, part after yeah. this episode, next episode. So Yeah, how many? are There's six? six? Six. Oh, we didn't talk about it last week, but we're going to have like an even longer break than expected because everything got pushed back this year. Yeah, so we don't get Black Widow in that break, but we will. That means the next thing we'll get is What If after that, I believe. So when does What If come out? I believe it's. I think it was in in late May late or May. early June because it's supposed to be Widow and then the making of Widow and then like a week and then something was started. I believe is what yeah. the original plan was. Or no, I'm sorry, it's Loki next. Then What If? I'm sorry, What I've... If's over the summer and Loki's next. My apologies. I'm so... excited for that. I watched that trailer like five times in a row, and I was like, "What is happening?" I can't wait. I don't understand. Who are these people? I want this now. So excited. That's yeah, awesome. I'm sorry. I, I got I got them switched. What if is the summer one? Because that's where they're gonna take like a weird summer break. Well, they were going to until they announced Black Widow is now in the summer. All right. So right about here is where our outro ska music will kick in. And you need to do a clever sign-off, and I'm going to make you try to think of a new one every time. No, uh, I like the last I one. Like, no, what did I, you yeah. say? That's us for all, folks. Um, <laughs> you know what us for all sounds like? It sounds like what would have been an odd product commercial in the middle of a WandaVision episode. That's us for Please all. Please buy us for all. 
stains from your carpet. Like, <laughs> The other thing I said, I said something else too. I don't remember. That I don't know. Like, it was my favorite though, because it was so like rushed and panicked, and you were like, I, 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 I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's that's us for all, folks. Uh, this has been another amazing and wonderful episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and Stanley's Pizza Place. This time with actual pizza. Um, we got it, and I expect to have a pizza at some point this week, Caleb. Okay, I'll just send that right over. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. I'll bye. never forget this. <laughs> and scene. And we scene. did it. <laughs>